This morning we are looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. It is the story that you've just heard in a dramatized before you. I think there are three pretty interesting scenes that happen in this story. We'll be looking at each of them. The first one, I, I think, is this scene of the parents. <clears throat> and it's a description of freedom from shame. For years, we uh, can understand that these parents struggled with the blindness of their son. Was it us? Was there something we did or didn't do that caused all of this? Who is to blame? That was her question. And clearly, from the words of this disciple, too often it is the question of those who look on from the sideline. Who is to blame? Why did this happen? For everyone, for everyone who's dealing with or has dealt with a sickness or disability or something like that, we get this. There are no simple answers. Even the one given in our text today, to be real honest with you, seems kind of confusing. And from my perspective, not all that helpful. It doesn't really help me too much to know that all of this has happened because we're going to glorify the works of God. Really? <clears throat> and I'm the guy who's getting the dump in of this thing. We do not easily understand these things. But what is easy is the taking on of shame and guilt struggle and sorrow, recriminations and finger-pointing. It happens. We see it in this text. From the very beginning, the disciple is asking the question, well, look at that person over there and who sinned? Who's guilty? Who caused all of this? The Pharisees, obviously, from their description, as you read through the text, they, they just assumed there was guilt, otherwise there would not have been this situation. They were focused on finding the lawbreakers, primarily on Jesus. And the parents, the parents already overwhelmed with shame and guilt, and they just try to kind of keep their heads low and not make it any worse than it might have been. But Jesus reminds us of things that we have talked about a lot here in the last few years. That it's not about us. That for some things there are just no good answers. But the fact that we know and believe and trust that God is somehow at work in the midst of it. As we've talked about before, sometimes stuff just happens. Sometimes evil gets thrust upon us. God is not the author of evil. We know this, that his love never quits, 
and never fails. That he never gives up on us. And that he goes with us in absolutely every situation we face. And yet sometimes you can know all of that and still carry amazing loads of guilt and shame in the process. One of my favorite movies uh, is uh, this movie called uh, Goodwill Hunting. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with, with the scene in that where he's this brilliant mathematician kind of guy and, and he's you know, dealing with all these horrible emotional experiences. He's been bounced around from foster care home to foster care home and beaten and abused and consequently is a rather angry kind of guy. And his counselor's working with him and, and in the end, that kind of breaks through into his life is this counselor just saying to him, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. And I won't say that uh, there are not consequences to sin. But too often we take on shame and guilt where we don't need to. And I think today in this passage of Scripture, we can hear Jesus saying, you know what, it's not about you. It's not your fault. Stuff just happens. And sometimes, God can use it for his glory and for his honor in ways that we do not understand. This is the first of these three scenes. It is our opportunity to stop and to reflect Reflect on the unnecessary shame and guilt that we carry. As we are on this road to the cross, Jesus would say to us, I'll carry it. I'll take it. There is no shame. And I wonder if we could just take a moment this morning. This is kind of be one of those kinds of sermons where we just stop and just ask ourselves that question. Is there stuff that I'm carrying, shame and guilt, that I don't need to carry? Shame and guilt over sickness, disabilities, failures, struggles. And in this place, in this moment, remind ourselves that Christ died for those things. And allow him to take them. Perhaps for the first time, perhaps in a renewed way. Would you just bow your heads with me and let's just reflect on those things for a moment. Lord, I look on my own life and Sometimes, I think the evil one comes and reminds me of my own past. Things for which I'm not particularly proud. But Lord, you have forgiven those things. And I choose to listen to your voice. Your voice of forgiveness and hope. I think about my own journey with Norma in this season. 
we have asked on more than one occasion, Lord, why? And there are no good reasons. But we trust you. Lord, would you give us the courage, the courage to set down our shame and our guilt, maybe even our anger and frustration, and allow you to journey with us. Remind us of your great love, even in the midst of stuff. And Lord, when we look on others, would you help us to not be one of these disciples asking the dumb question about whose fault is this? But help us to be those disciples who offer hope and newness, comfort and presence. Lord, you have not called us to shame or to guilt. But you have called us to newness in you. So, Lord, in the midst of our stuff, we give it to you. And we say that we love you. Would you pray with me the prayer on the screen? Jesus. Too often, I have needlessly beat myself up over the struggles in my life and the lives of my loved ones, with or without answers. Help me to rest in you and your unchanging love for me. I love you. We find in a second scene a man who was blind trying to answer the question, what do you know? And I think it's funny that uh, that little phrase, what do you know, can be used as either a statement or as a question. And Pharisees are here trying to interview everybody involved. And he's talking to the parents and talking to the blind man and trying to figure it all out. What do you know about this situation? Pharisees are really after Jesus, trying to find a way to accuse him. They don't really care about the blind man that was made to see. They don't care about the parents, particularly. They don't care about the truth. They want to find fault in Jesus. So they start out with a statement about what they know about Jesus. We know Jesus is a breaker of the law. We know Jesus is a sinner. We know that Jesus is not from God. And we certainly know that he is threatening everything we believe in. And they ask the question of the blind man, what do you know about Jesus? His response is simple. Indirect. I don't know anything about anything. I don't know what you're talking about. But this I do know. 
Once I was blind, but now I see. That was it. No big theological debate. No rationalized explanation for the existence and authority of Jesus. No defense for the clear accusations against Jesus that he was hearing. It was just direct. Boys, y'all need to figure this out. I don't know anything about anything. I just know that once I was blind, now I see. Now that's not an excuse to take a pass on understanding our faith or on being able to explain what we believe. It's simply, I believe, a fundamental truth that no matter how much knowledge you can explain, it's really not going to matter if you cannot explain what you've experienced. Sometimes explanations just won't matter anyway when all that's needed is a statement about what we know that we know that we know that we know. At once, I was blind. But now, I see. Interestingly enough, I think with a shrug shrug of the shoulders, the Pharisees finished up their interview with the blind man. What do you know anyway? (laughs) What do you know? You know that you know that you know that once you were blind, but now you see. Can you picture that in your head? Can you picture a scene, a moment? A place in time and space. Sounds like the beginning of a Star Wars movie. I don't know. When you kind of came to that spot where you said, I I get it. I was in the living room of my parents' house. Christmas break of my freshman year in college. I know the spot. I know the chair. I knew a lot. Heard a lot. Going to church all my life. But in that moment, I just kind of got it. Suddenly it all broke in on me and that I knew that I knew that I knew. That, as this man says, once I was blind, but now I see. Folks, this is one of the great truths of Scripture. That we come to those moments when our spiritual eyes are opened and we get it. And we can say with this blind man here, That we too were blind. But now we see. I don't know. It's not a blindness of eyes, but a blindness of heart. And Jesus takes us from wherever we're at in that blindness and gives us sight. Amen? Would you pray this with me? Jesus, never let me forget the moment when my eyes had true sight for the very first time and knew you were mine. 
Thank you for giving me sight. In our last scene, we find Jesus in an explanation about his purposes in the world. When he says in verse 39, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Clearly he is not talking about physical sight. And the Pharisees who were nearby, it says, took offense at his words. Are you calling us blind? They asked him. This is really one of the very first eye exams. And it's just a question. Do you claim you see clearly? Or do you embrace your blindness? Jesus had made no direct statement to or against the Pharisees and their condition condition of their sight, until they tried to defend themselves and assert the clarity of their sight. By their actions, they proved themselves to be truly blind and guilty before God. And too often it is our pride that blinds us. It is our judgment of the righteousness of others or the lack thereof that leaves us in real darkness. It is our own vanity and pride that holds us back from receiving what we know we truly need and our hearts long for. Humility, on the other hand, is always and has always been the basis of God's eye exam. It is the humble who may approach God. It was the humble sinner who beat his breast and cried out for mercy for God, who was found righteous. It is the Apostle Paul and Christians throughout the ages who have identified themselves as sinners saved by grace. It is this blind man in our story who comes to just say, I believe and worships. And that's the invitation we have this day. To ask ourselves, how do we approach God? How do we view our own righteousness? And the reality is this, that now and forevermore, we will all say we are sinners just saved by grace. In any other statement of our own righteousness, of our own good deeds, of our own, I'm a nice guy will now and forevermore find ourselves in the camp with these Pharisees who said they had sight but were really blind. Jesus invites us 
invites us into this journey of the cross. (laughs) And as we come to share in communion this day, the only way that we can truly approach this whole process is with humility. It is humility that brings us to this place. It is humility that invites us in. It is humility that qualifies us to receive these elements. When we say, it's not about me, and it's not about my good deeds, and it's not about all the good things that I may or may not do, but it is about the grace and mercy sacrifice of Jesus Christ on my behalf. And in response to that, we embrace Him and we proclaim with this blind man, Lord, I believe and we worship. I think we need to take a little time as we prepare for communion to just pray and reflect and ask God if there's anything within us that would stand between us. Any hint of pride or arrogance. And find humbly His grace and mercy extended to us. Would you pray with me? Lord, I am in awe that you would love someone like me. And probably not alone in that thought. But I still marvel at your grace and mercy. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for mercy, for forgiveness, for newness. Lord, I also just come to you and confess weirdness of my heart. Say, Lord, you are my all. No hope do I have but you. No word do I have to say but you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your love. I stand with so many and say I am but a sinner saved by grace. Speak at the point of our need. Invite us in. Renew us, restore us as we reflect, remember, and celebrate your death, broken body, shed blood, and your resurrection. And that coming day when we will see you face to face. Pray with me this prayer on the screen. 
Jesus, I humble myself before you and declare that I believe in you, not because of who I am and what I have done, but because of who you are and what you have done. Help me to live in that awareness every day.